to the Bean Ninjas podcast, where you get an all-access pass to see what happens behind the closed doors of a fast-growing global bookkeeping and financial reporting business. Hey, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Bean Ninjas podcast. Today, we're chatting with Jake Jorgovin, who is the founder of Lead Cookie, which is a done-for-you LinkedIn lead generation service and content allies, which turns consultants into thought leaders through content marketing. So Jake runs two different businesses. He originally founded Lead Cookie and then diversified into another business, being content allies. And I think it's pretty interesting to hear in the, the contrast as well as the comparison of what it's like running two different productized service businesses. Jake's got a whole lot of great information around things that he's doing to grow both of these businesses, scale his teams, team culture. And he actually has a really interesting story around some things he's learning to do with finances. And there was a period in his business in the last 12 months where he really focused on finances, accounting, and did some work around that that, that generated some results. I think we'll find that story interesting as well. Hey, Jake, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me on here, Meryl. And I think I actually met you on your podcast. It was probably a couple of years ago now, and, and I've been keeping an eye on what you've been doing, reading some of your content over the years. So it's it's great to have you here and chat all things productized services. Yeah, I'm uh, excited to share uh, everything with the audience here. So I'm an, I'm an open book today. So why don't we start with a little bit about who you are, and I believe you're running two businesses at the moment. So maybe you could give us just an overview of what those businesses are and and how they help your customers. Yeah. So at the core, I am an entrepreneur, an artist, and a creator. So I love to build things, and that is where I am at my best with businesses. And so after doing consulting for a long time and putting my energy into working for other people I and putting all that creative energy toward others, I decided to start building businesses and take that creative energy instead of solving other people's problems to consistently trying to build new systems or new processes and just kind of build up a single company. The first company that I really have hit a, a good success with with us is uh, Lead Cookie, which we are a done-for-you LinkedIn lead generation business. And so um, have built that up to a good-sized team and everything there. And um, we've got a pretty good scale with that, which has been really cool. Also, just to kind of diversify, I have also started another company called Content Allies, which is basically we turn consultants into thought leaders through content marketing. And so this one is, uh, it looks a lot like an agency, but I'm really treating this as a series of productized services. So even though we offer kind of more than just one service and someone can hire us for a few different options, we're really kind of building each of those internally and building systems around those to deliver just like we do the lead cookie service. And so it's been really interesting to take the learnings from lead cookie and apply them to a second business as well. I actually have lots of questions around that. Before we go into that, we do talk about productized services quite a bit on this podcast, and it seems like everyone has a slightly different definition. So what does a productized service business or, or that business model, what does that mean to you? And how is that different from what you were doing previously when you were consulting? Yeah, like, I think it's honestly just like a, a silly buzzword, <laughs> to be like totally honest. And I've even talked about this with um, like Alex McClafferty, who's one of my, he's my advisor and has helped me a ton from the start. And when he started, he was all about productized services. And then like I was, you know, as I was going through and I started to really even build up content allies, I was like, I don't 
really care if it's like a productized service, like we only do one thing and we do that over and over. I care about building a company that can run without me and be scalable. And so for me, like the way that I look at it is I'm a little less like when I started Lead Cookie is all like productized service. I'm going to be like Design Pickle and WP Curve and like on all these companies and do one thing over and over. And I realize there's actually some like horrible weaknesses to that, especially if um, I've written a whole like article about this. But if you run that on like a marketing tactic, like what we do with Lead Cookie, like marketing tactics have a shelf life and uh, they kind of go out of style over time where they don't work as effectively as they once did. So like there's some serious flaws in that as a business model. But if you can just take that same mindset instead and look at just really moving from consulting, which is where a lot of people are that are interested in productized services, and move from consulting to building products. And you know you can have even a series of products, which is just really something that you can deliver and you can actually scale up and you can hire other people to run and it is not dependent on you. That's more or less what I'm interested in and what excites me. I don't know if it's like, again, and I guess a productized service is just the fact that it is a service business that happens to have products which are very stringent. They have boundaries. You don't allow a lot of customization within them. You're very strict on where that is. And you, if someone comes in and they want something different, you say, nope, that's not what we do. This is how we operate because of these reasons. And that's how we you know, take it or leave it kind of thing. So yeah, I guess that's my spiel on productized services and I guess my viewpoints and it that has evolved quite a bit since I started. It's interesting you talk about wanting to be like a WP curve or design pickle. That's the Bing Ninja's evolution was along those lines where we started with a $99 bookkeeping package and wanted to have that same kind of business model. But I think my thinking on productized services sounds like it's maybe there's some parallels with what you talked about where we started to create a lot more products than just one. But to me, it was about having clear boundaries and a very defined scope and not going out and trying to consult and solve a problem for someone else. It was building the solution and then trying to sell it. So yeah, it's really interesting hearing you talk about that. And, and that actually leads into a question I wanted to ask around operations, because that, that's something else that I was working hard with Beanages on is to get out of the service delivery quickly to build a business rather than a job. And so I wanted to ask how how you would have achieved that in your businesses, in both Lead Cookie and Content Allies. Yeah, so with Lead Cookie, basically from day one, I basically, and based on both companies, from day one, I hired someone to run implementation. And so for Lead Cookie, I had a guy that was basically working with me and supporting me in my consulting and everything. And so I just... He just basically was handling whatever I threw his way. And then whenever Lead Cookie started, we basically, he started helping actually doing the implementations while I did just the strategy. And over time, you know, he took more and more of the operations and I still did strategy for a long time. Then eventually I got strategy off my plate. And then eventually I got sales off my plate. And that took, you know, a good amount of time. And so, you know, it was probably about, I'm trying to think, it was, about 18 months to get sales off my plate at Lead Cookie. It was about 12 months to get strategy off my plate. But operations, literally from day one, I was maybe helping build systems, but I was not involved in any way of the actual sending of messages. Actually, my ops guy fired me from even helping because I, like, I literally, I can't, like, he'd be like, hey, go send 100 connection requests today. And I would, like, have typos in, like, seven of them because I just, like, I can't do that. <laughs> so... <laughs> Got fired from operations quickly. So that's kind of like the lead cookie version. And then content allies, I 
literally was just like, I'm committed to building something new. And so I had this uh, woman on my team who was part-time with Lee Cookie, who expressed real ton of interest in content allies. And so basically hired her full-time and was just like, I'm going to build this up. I don't even know exactly what this is, but you're really smart. You're really dedicated. And I can tell you're going to be a really like help a ton. So I just started figuring things out, selling things, sending them to her. And um, we kind of just built and iterated along the way. But I think for me, at least, because I enjoy the selling and marketing, just to have someone who I can just hand delivery to. And even if I'm involved or I have to really guide a lot at the start, um, I can quickly get that into a system if I have someone else who's actually doing the nitty gritty work. But if I'm doing the nitty gritty work and trying to build the system, then there's like no chance in heck that I'll ever be able to do that. And what was your thought process behind starting a separate business or a new business while still running lead cooking? Yeah. So one of the things was, um, there's a few pieces of that. I mean, ultimately the biggest motivation I have behind that is again, what I mentioned that we'll lead cookie around a marketing tactic and a singular marketing tactic of LinkedIn lead gen. And the truth is that like it is a marketing tactic and it is very risky around a single platform of LinkedIn, which could disrupt it over time. And so you know, that's just like this, the simple reality of kind of what we built. And when I looked at how to evolve this company, how to diversify it, how to protect it, that path wasn't totally clear to me, or it, I see paths to doing it, but it's not something that I'm necessarily excited about going through because I realized I don't actually love the lead generation space that much. And so when I looked at that, what I kind of decided, I was like, well, I don't really want to just like keep going and trying to build or evolve this and protect this. And instead, you know, what I want to do is take the skills, take the knowledge and focus on areas that I believe are a really strong value proposition and something that I believe will last and be around forever. And content marketing is one of those things that I'm just saying, this is not going out of style anytime soon. Like, it's just not going away. It has been around for years from when days people used to write in trade publications and it will exist in form of years to come. I mean, just, you know, the tactics or little things around that may change. And so... It was really kind of a mentality of diversifying and then really wanting to build something that I look at and I can say, hey, 20 years from now, I can see this company being as relevant or more relevant than it is today versus it's an interesting thing, I guess, like when I started Lead Cookie, you know, I'm just kind of like trying to have a success and trying to hit that first like, you know, like home run in business and you you finally succeed. But then to like realize, oh, I built all this and I invested all this time and energy and it's cool and I'm getting great returns, but it can go away. And I'm just like, ah, I don't like that. And I want to invest in something where that just keeps growing. And the more time, the more energy I put into it, like I know it's going to be stable and I know it's just going to build momentum and nothing else externally can disrupt it. So it was really thinking through a business model that would be robust like that. And what was it like for you having already been through as many lessons and challenges along the way with Lead Cookie? Were there things that you did differently or, or did it feel different when you started this second business? Uh, it definitely did. It's, um, again, there's just like so many, so many things you just don't know that you don't know until you really start to build a team. And yeah, it's just way, way quicker learnings, way faster. Like there's just uh, like most, like there's so many things that I'm just like, all right, I'm just going to copy that from Lead Cookie and I'm just going to replicate that over here. And we're just going to change stuff a little bit. And uh, cool, we've got our process. Like it was like just like so, so many things that I had to figure out the first time around Lead Cookie, like things down to like, man, I remember it was like 
multi-months to figuring out how we were going to set up our invoicing and recurring payments. And it was like a week project to like evaluate all the recurring payment tools out there and what was going to have the flexibility. And it was just like, oh, no, I'm just going to... And then like, then once we had that, like, how do we actually track that and keep that organized and stay on top of billings? And it's like, oh, no, I'm just going to replicate that system and just run it over here. And so there's so many of these things like that that were like these just um, like back office fundamental how the business operates or how processes operate that I was just able to copy and paste over. And so, you know, we've built essentially two really strong productized, I guess, offerings already within Lead Cookie, and we're ramping up our third one now. And it's just like amazing how quickly we're able to, to do that this time around versus, you know, it was a long, painstaking two-year process just to like really ramp up and get one good, you know, product going with Lead Cookie. Interesting. And I imagine with the the service offerings being slightly different, you might need different kinds of people in these two businesses. So have you noticed, is there any sort of cultural difference or any different feel to the two different businesses? Yeah, that's something that is, uh, it's, that's heavily on my mind right now. <laughs> and I was talking to my ops guy at Lead Cookie, like my ops guy at Lead Cookie is just goofy and he's like super fun and like jokes around. And it's like our stand-up calls, I swear, like stand-up comedy hour where we somehow get stuff done. Like it's like really fun and hilarious and entertaining. And it's like the highlight of a lot of our weeks. We all look forward to them. And like the content allies calls right now, like we're early, but like, man, it is just like dry and no one's talking. And I'm just like, what the hell is going on here? So uh, it's cool. Like we're all delivering and like, Everyone's happy, but it's just like, wow, like I tried to copy and paste the culture and it just like doesn't work. Like these are different people. They're creatives versus like Lead Cookie. We've got just like a lot more project management type people and a few creatives on the team. And it's just, uh, and then like, and ultimately Jess, who's over on Content Allies and running operations, is just like a very different personality than Jeff, who I have at Lead Cookie. And Jeff, ultimately, I'm like, realize I'm like, wow, Jeff's actually really has led a lot of our culture. And I didn't even realize that until recently that him just being his goofy, weird self, like really like created a lot of that. It's not just from me. Literally culture was like, uh, I was like journaling about this today of like, man, I don't know what's going on or how to make this stronger, but like we're doing well, but like the culture is not nearly the same. Like it's good, but it's not, it's not like it's like a bad culture, but it just doesn't have that same fun and vibe that lead cookie has. And I'm just trying to figure out how to how to build that, and I'm realizing it's I can't just copy and paste and do the same goofy thing that I did over at Lead Cookie and expect that to work with a totally different group of people. It's really funny. I like how you put it. You can't copy and paste culture. I, I, that's that's going to be a, a quote to go up somewhere. I think sometimes company cultures, so especially with small teams and company values, often come. They're partly derived by the team and they often are related to what the founder values as well. So do you think that you will end up with similar values across the team because they will align with, with yours, but you've got also got different team members you've described in the two different teams. So could you foresee a future where you're running two different companies and, and you have your own set of values, but these companies might have different values? Yeah. So I once again tried to uh, copy and paste. We do this thing called a culture deck, which is like borrowed from Netflix. If you ever Google about Netflix, this culture deck, that's a really cool practice on where they just like bring every new hire through this to like share how they like think about their culture. 
And so I do a similar thing with every new hire and I literally copy and pasted the lead cookie one and just changed the name. And it was for a while, I was like, oh crap, I got to like change out some of the, like, the specifics in this as well. And I'm starting to realize, I'm like, okay, so there's, there is a lot of the values that all overlap. Like life is greater than work is one of our values. You know, have fun and stay positive is a value that I would like to keep, but the continuity is like, they're just more quiet right now. Um, but hoping to still embody that and like win-win mutually beneficial transactions is like another big part of it. But one that we've already changed is a lead cookie value that we had, which is details matter. And that's just like, you know, we're very detail-oriented team. The people we bring on are like project management. like everybody, like we screw up legitimately. The, like we send out over 200 and 250,000 messages on LinkedIn every month by hand. And we'll, we can literally normally count the mistakes we have in a month on like one hand, which is insane. And so like the detail-orientedness of our team and like how we hire, all that's super important. But on Content Allies, there was already a shift where I was like, that doesn't actually, man, it's not as like as important. And so like for that, it's kind of one of the values that's kind of become like uh, quality over quantity, which is like similar, but it's a different approach. So we're starting kind of starting to see some of these kind of, I guess, like principles or values that we have are starting to diverge based on the teams and then just kind of really what these businesses are ultimately doing or how they're functioning in the market a little bit as well. But Ultimately, I think the core of the values will hopefully probably stay the same because I, you know, carry through those and I want to attract people that embody those as well. But yeah, there's definitely been some differences throughout that as well. Next, I wanted to talk a little bit about finances. That's one of the themes that we have on the Be Ninjas podcast. So the first question I had for you was, does the term financial freedom mean anything to you? And if it does, what would be your definition? And then let's dig into any financial lessons that you've learned from running your businesses? Yeah, there's uh, definitely a lot of lessons I'm happy to dive into. But on the the freedom piece, I guess when I look toward what I'm working toward is ultimately if uh, if I built Lead Cookie to a spot where I never had to worry and I thought it would like just exist and run forever, like if Lead Cookie was a totally robust defensible business model, like I would be there right now because like I don't feel this need to be insanely rich, insanely wealthy. I'm a really, I did a, did an interview recently with this guy that runs a company called Campfire Labs and like he pays himself a modest salary and then he gives 50% of the company profits away to charity, which is like a lot of money. And it's, his, his whole mentality is like, there's just no point like in spending more money and just becoming a huge consumer. So for me, it's getting to a point where I have, you know, a good salary that, you know, puts me to a point where I'm never worrying about income. But then really just like, you know, not having to work as much. And really interesting thing is like Lead Cookie has grown since I've stepped away from it. And so, you know, for me, it's just like the challenge of building this life that lets me do really fun things. Like I'm really like getting serious about going into like a music EDM production career is a goal over the coming years. And like having a business that enables that is like, I guess, will be like freedom for me is to let me go just do something totally crazy, fun and creative and still have this steady, great income coming on the side where I never have to worry. I think you've articulated that really nicely. I know you mentioned we were chatting a little bit before we started recording and that you've been investing time into learning about financial literacy and and digging into the finances of your businesses. So could you talk a little bit about that and some of the challenges you may have faced and some of the things that you've been learning and maybe some results as well? Yeah, so um, (laughs) basically I just had this picture in my mind even from when I started Lead Cookie, I was just like, oh, bookkeeping, like, mm, that's not like, 
that's just something you just go hire somebody and they do it so that like you can do your taxes at the end of the year. Like that was like my mentality. And like, I would be afraid. I was on QuickBooks now, we're on zero now, but I was on QuickBooks and like, I just basically like synced everything to QuickBooks and just had some guy who would turn out to be a horrible person who got me into a very terrible tax situation because I cheaped out uh, on accountant. So lesson, uh, don't be cheap on your accountant. It's a horrible lesson there. And uh, basically, like I operated for my consulting in like the first really year and a half of Lead Cookie without like really looking at books. And it was like me and my operations guy, like kind of running numbers and just like Google spreadsheets, trying to calculate our costs and stuff. And it was just like crazy. And I was just like, I like literally, I was just feels like afraid. And like, I didn't know anything about how to use QuickBooks or anything like that. And, and having this horrible accountant didn't help because he wouldn't like, didn't like advise me at all or help on that. So I didn't have any reports or anything. And so we're just like running off of these like crazy spreadsheets that we put together that were often horribly inaccurate. And so just like, it's crazy how far you can get with being a complete idiot on this stuff, basically. And basically hit a point where I realized this accountant's totally screwing up my taxes. And I'm just like, oh God, this is bad. And then I try to migrate from QuickBooks to Zero because I was sold the promise that Zero was better. And I, and I ultimately, I do, I think it is better. But then in the process of that, the migration went horribly we literally lost eight months of our books that we just had to go re-reconcile from last year, which was probably good because that horrible accountant, the stuff he had reconciled was all pretty off anyway. It was just like really terrible categories lumps and like just not actually useful. So basically, my ops guy and I had to go back and retroactively do almost an entire full year of books in the matter of about like 30 days to hit our tax deadline. And like, it was horrible. We talked, we're like, man, we could open a bookkeeping business now. Like we've got this, like, <laughs> like we just spent so much time in there. But like the amazing thing that came out on the other side of this is I was like, wow, like I can just open up zero and like run reports and like understand stuff. And now I'm like building content allies and I'm like, oh, wow. So like I can categorize my different team members on their functions into like different like categories. And then I can see like how much profitability or how much revenue like a strategist can generate versus how much revenue a writer can generate. And I'm just like, holy cow, like I can do all of these things and have this visibility. And like that is amazing. And ultimately, like this has no like joke, like the profitability of Lead Cookie and like the decisions that it helped me make and see. Our profitability has like gone up by like four to five X, like multiple from like actually just from going from just like a cloud of like there's expenses and there's revenue and I have money hopefully at the end to understanding that and actually having control of my books and like the decisions I've been able to make over the past eight months, which, you know, sometimes involve laying off people. It was not always easy decisions, but it has just been like, whoa. And I just feel like it leveled me up to this finally, like I understand finances and this is awesome. And it is a totally different world. And I just lived in the dark for way too long. So that is like my, a big part of the financial story. And there's some books in there and stuff that were useful, but that is like, uh, that is the experience. I'll, I'll pause there. So I love hearing stories like that. I'm a 
I'd say almost daily, I'm advocating learning about finances and financial literacy and actually doing what you did. I mean, doing catching up eight months wouldn't have been fun, but just getting into the detail for a little bit and getting your hands dirty in zero or whatever software you're using and and learning it, it's it's so important and gives you so much visibility. So I love hearing stories like that. So what are some of the numbers you look at or you track in your business now? So say the month of August has, has just passed. What does that look like now in terms of the numbers that you track when you look at them and then any next steps from when after you've looked at the numbers? Yeah, so we we have a whole dashboard that we've always kind of held on our own that tracks kind of the MRR that we have as a company that tracks. We recently started actually tracking how much we collect every week is something we started looking at. Um, and then we track a lot of our sales numbers, our leads in, our sales calls, our closed deals, our churn customers. So those are like things that I've been tracking for a while. But now that I've actually got insights into the books, probably the biggest things that I look at are really the what is you know our top line revenue each month and how is that like trending? What is our expenses? And that's actually just been amazing. Like we've dropped like $7,000 a month of expenses while the company grew. Like it's just crazy when you actually get insight into this and you can start to think about things and see things clearly that you realize how much, I guess, fat you might be carrying as an organization that you don't realize. So those are definitely some big things. And ultimately, that, like that's just helped me look at like the net number at the bottom, which is just really useful. And I just like, for a long time, I just didn't, it's crazy as it is, I didn't like have a great like, mentality on like net. And then also, even if I did, I would be looking at it on a monthly basis. Now I can look at it over a quarterly and stuff like that. And so really just like looking at that net number of what is the total amount. And that's just been really useful because I used to always just look at how much I could pull out. And that's like really deceiving because you can like maybe pull out more, but that actually might not be like good because you might be overdrawing when you really need that cash for other stuff in the business. So looking at like an actual just net number of net profits as opposed to just like, oh, how much do I feel like I can pull, which is like what I did for a long time, or I even used the profit first system for a while, but I kind of like got my percentages too high. And then I was actually like, couldn't pay down a credit card that I had put on some cash. So like, I just totally even like screwed up that system for a while. There's just a, but yeah, probably net is probably like the biggest thing that I look at now and just kind of the numbers that feed into that. Now I wanted to move the conversation into your personal brand. I know you have the different businesses that you're running, the, a lot of the content that I've read of yours has been hosted on your personal website. And I wanted to get your thoughts around why you've built a personal brand and whether it's been effective for you. It is amazing. It's the whole reason I built Content Allies and this idea around building a company to turn basically people into thought leaders is that like my personal brand, I calculated at some point, I think it was in like December and 68% of Lead Cookies revenue was a result of my personal brand in some capacity. So um, that could have been through, you know, directly people that were interested in my content that were came over. Some of that was through referral partnerships that I lined up as a result of basically through my podcasting or stuff like that. Some of that was that was through basically kind of using my branding, then getting interviewed on other places or appearing on podcasts. So it was massive. And the thing that I love about a personal brand and why I'm such a huge advocate for it is like it is like cheating at business once you have a personal brand. Because like, you know, if I look at this and like you invest in like, if I had invested all of that time and energy into content for Lead Cookie, then if Lead Cookie does get disrupted someday, like then that investment goes away. And if I'm investing, like your personal brand is never going anywhere. 
Like you, you, you are always going to have your brand. Like that is something that just can't be taken from you. And so I look at that as just this asset that you can just always pour into, just even slow and steady. You can even take breaks from it for years at a time and come back to it. And you still have that past investment and you can still keep pouring more in. And so it's just been absolutely huge. And like, if I look at like content allies, like it has been so easy to build this up again because I have this personal brand. I have credibility. I have an email list that when we launched our first iteration, which when we started, we were just doing LinkedIn content. We now do full article writing and podcasting. But I literally sent an email out to my email list and had 23 customers sign up for LinkedIn content. And that's, again, just like this beauty of having a personal brand and just being able to kind of do that and launch stuff really quickly, put ideas out there into the world. And I've also launched some things that failed. And it was like, oh, it's pretty handy to have this to where, hey, that didn't work. But now I learned a lot quicker as opposed to not having a platform or anyone to share this stuff with. So would you recommend that every entrepreneur build a personal brand or would there be some things to be careful of around that? Or is it something that everyone should be doing? I think it's worthwhile. I really think in some capacity, I really like can't think of too many situations where it's a bad idea. Maybe if you're in like a really confidential industry or something and like you shouldn't be talking a lot about what you're doing or something, but that's like pretty rare. I really think for most people, like even if you're going to have a job or something, like having a personal brand helps. Like it's just, it's a level above what a lot of people do. So I'm definitely just like a huge advocate. And I think the, the things to be cautious of, the things that probably were a little... So one of the things is, you know, if you think about um, the fact that my personal brand does drive so much of Lead Cookies traffic, that is not a good thing if I... And like the lens of trying to sell the company. So if I ever want to sell the company, the fact that I've used my personal brand to grow it so much, not actually an ideal thing because I can't just, you know, sell my soul kind of thing. But that would be counterintuitive. <laughs> so there are some downsides there if you lean on it too much. But that doesn't mean you still can't use it to grow a business and then like, you know, just build other channels that aren't dependent on you. So there's some kind of things to be cautious of there. Also, you've got to understand that just because someone is interested in your company doesn't mean you're inter- they're interested in your personal brand. For a long time, I just like treated the lead cookie email list as my own personal email list. And then I like dropped a few F-bombs and like email newsletters and realized, ooh, I need to segment these. Like these, like we like, I think we lost a customer uh, because I like wrote like a curse word in an email newsletter, which is just like what I do. And it was like, I need to take the lead cookie people and separate that out. So uh, just making sure that you do have definitive clear lines between your personal and your business if you're going to go that route as well. And are there any platforms that, you recommend? I think I've seen yours as a website and email list. Do you use social media for your personal brand as well? And how do you allocate your time between the various platforms? Yeah, so I pretty much cover them all. I've got my website where I host my blog articles and everything. And then I've got a podcast as well. I also do social media. I literally do daily posting where they're like, these are like short little mini like posts and articles kind of. So every single day, I have uh, up to about a 1200 character post that I put live that I write every single morning. So I did wonder about that. Because I had seen that you did the daily post. And I thought, do you sit down and write that every day? Or are you batching these? I think that's a lot of that's a big commitment. It's really not. So like, I'll I'll tell you like where um, it just kind of comes from this practice from uh, Garrett J. White. And it's like this idea of discovering the Claire. And so it's the idea that every day you learn something. 
And then you teach that back out. So you reinforce what you learn by teaching it. And so every day I pick up and I read a book and or I'll watch a video training. And then I basically take something that I learned and I try to look at how that applies to my world or how maybe I can retroactively see how that lesson applied to some situation in my past or something like that. And then I just simply write that up into like a short snippet there. And so, yeah, I literally do it every day. And it's, but it's like, it's literally just like this self-development learning practice that I'm doing in public and it creates great content and like people love it. And uh, it creates, it generates business and customers and trust and everything at the same time. So it's a super fun habit. I cannot recommend it enough. You do that a little bit every morning and you will plows through some serious material quickly and you'll remember it and retain it way better than you would if you just sat down and binge read a whole book. So as you're saying that I'm tempted to commit myself to doing something like that, but I'm known to overcommit. So I'm not I'm gonna hold my tongue and and not <laughs> say that I'm gonna do that. But I love the idea. I think it's brilliant. Especially the the way that teaching actually cements that learning for yourself and embedding ongoing learning just into a daily practice. Love that. So Jake, we're coming to the end of the podcast. Was there anything else that you wanted to mention or or recap on from either what we've discussed so far or anything that we haven't yet talked about? There's anything, just uh, learn how to manage your books uh, <laughs> and uh, don't put that off is uh, one of the biggest lessons to this audience. Just as again, it was absolutely painful. I can't even think of, if I think about just how much money I saved by cheaping out on that account. And then how much money, though, I probably could have made if I actually had financial visibility for that first year and a half. And like the dumb decisions or the things that I was missing or not catching because I didn't have that visibility. And so it's like this weird thing because I think like in my mind, it was like hard for me still, like whenever I started to like invest and like go into like actually hiring like decently expensive people to help me get my finances in order. It was really hard for me to like invest and actually start spending that money, but like it is just paid off massive dividends. And so it is worth learning. It will just give you so much more insight. If I even just look at the number of just subscriptions that I catch that I cancel now on a monthly basis because I'm actually on top of my books, like that probably will easily like over the course of a year equal to the amount of like that I pay my accountants now just on like the things that I like catch that I just cut in costs. So there's just so many things like that that I just say, uh, yeah, learn how to deal with money. It is a skill that is not fun. And I was not a numbers person. And a lot of people say, oh, I'm not a numbers person. I hate this. But like, it's a fundamental skill of business that you have to learn. So I'll end there. Well, thanks so much, Jake. It's been so fun chatting with you. So thanks for coming on. No problem. Thanks for having me on here. Thanks for listening to the Bean Ninjas podcast. Here are three ways to grow your freedom business faster. Number one, download our free Zero Small Business Toolkit. Go to beanninjas.com forward slash podcast gift and use our cash flow forecasting template as well as the other resources available. Number two, subscribe to this podcast. Don't miss another episode as we'll be bringing you more inspiring guests, small business finance and zero tips, and also an inside look at how we are growing Bean Ninjas into a global brand. Finally, they say the best way to retain what you learn is to share or teach what you've learned with someone else. So leave a review on iTunes with your key takeaway from this episode. Alternatively, you could also post and share this podcast on social media. Be sure to tag us 
at BeNinjas or use hashtag BeNinjas on LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. This will help us to grow our community and help even more small business owners to create freedom through stress-free finances. So once again, download, subscribe, and share. That link again, beninjas.com forward slash podcast gift. Catch you on the next episode.